Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. A full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code PODCAST to get 10% off. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Oren Margulis on the line with us from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. And Oren, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, that would be great. Sure. I'm happy to be here. So again, my name is Oren Margolis, and I run a very small consulting firm called Pine Tree and Palm Consulting, which is just me. Um, I you know, have kind of a range of experience in a number of different industries. Um, but for, for my consulting work, the most relevant experience comes from six years uh, of working in undergraduate and MBA admissions at NYU, both undergrad and NYU Stern, um, where I also got uh, my MBA. Since then, I've done a number of different things professionally, um, but a couple of years ago, uh, started doing uh, MBA admissions consulting for folks that are interested in uh, full-time, part-time executive MBA programs, uh, as well as some other uh, adjacent or related graduate school programs as well. So that's me in a, in a very small nutshell, uh, but happy to be here. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we're going to uh, collaborate a little bit on this topic, which is what to do, what do you do when you don't get the GRE score that you wanted or the GMAT score that you wanted, right? And in particular, um, you know, first and foremost, you should probably go into a GRE or a GMAT prep by either taking a full test first or taking one of the official practice exams, which are offered the official practice exams are a lot cheaper. The first two GRE practice exams, for instance, are free, so you should really be using those. Um, and then if you don't get the score that you are looking for, if you're trying to get into a certain program, how do you improve your score, right? Um, and so I think yep. just to start here, it's probably just worth noting that in general, this is very high level and kind of ballpark, but uh, yeah. conventional wisdom is that Score increases of on the GMAT kind of like 30 to 40 points and on the GRE, you know, 5 to 10 points um, are typical of people that really put in like a good time and effort and um, work diligently at it. And then like larger improvements than that are more rare. Um, and it's just important to know that, right? If you're going in, you're like, I really want to go to Harvard or I really want to go to Stanford uh, GSB. And those programs are looking for a 720 to a 740 GMAT or, you know, the GRE equivalent, I believe it's something like one, the 164 to sort of 166 range. And you're really far away from that. Uh, it might, you might be trying to squeeze blood from a stone. Not everybody is a great test taker. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, but, you know, let's say you, you didn't get the score that you wanted. How do you kind of attack the uh, process of fixing it or improving it to where you need it to be. Yeah, um, and it's a you know it's a broad question. There's so many different uh, answers and you know different ways to go with this. So, I mean, the first the first tactic I think is to take a moment to reflect and figure out okay, what went wrong, um, or or why did I score this score at this particular sitting. Um, what was my mindset going into the test? What was my mindset coming out to the out of the test? Meaning, was I coming into the test? I knew it was an off day. 
I woke up tired. Like I knew this was doomed from the start and lo and behold, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, if so, maybe you like, you know, that there's some runway there, right? Like, you know, that you can do better. Everyone knows that you can do better. Um, like it's a conditions thing. Um, mm -hmm. did you feel like you killed it at the end of your sitting and then the score came back and you know, your stomach dropped and it wasn't what you thought it would be. That's a different conversation. Um, even before you took the test, how, how much did you study? What was your modality of study? Um, what were you scoring on your practice test versus what you got on this test? How did I pick the test that I took in the first place? Um, did I decide to mm -hmm. go with the GMAT or the GRE and why? Um, have I had exposure to the other one um, if I settled on one? So those are all some preliminary questions that you can be asking yourself. And then the other, another one that I'll throw out is, okay, um, you know, maybe or maybe not, maybe I'm using this first sitting as a chance to calibrate to selecting my school list, or maybe I have a really solid idea in my head of where I want to be going. Um, and even though I'm disappointed, where does this score lie in relation to what my target schools are expecting of me to be earning. So those are all some inputs into figuring out what comes next. Yeah. And I think it's probably good to like start by just breaking down each of those scenarios. Right. So if you kind of walk away from the test and you're like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I did super well compared to what I was hoping to do. And then you get the score back and you, you know, did okay. Then that just means that you kind of know that you have work to do. Um, yeah. And we can talk about sort of how to triage what work in a moment. Um, if you think you are crushing it and then you actually come back with a pretty bad score, uh, that can mean kind of, it, it depends on the GMAT versus GRE, so I'll kind of talk about each. Um, on the GRE, the GRE is section adaptive. So that means that there's a first section for math and for verbal, and then there's a second section that is either more or less difficult than the first section, depending on how you did on the first section, right? So it's quite possible that if you do kind of not so great on the first section, you get the easy second section, you crush the easy second session, you come out of it saying, I crushed the test, right? But in reality, what happened was you got kind of put into the easier category that it gives you lower yeah. scores because you didn't do so well initially, right? So then you've got to think about, well, what was it at the beginning that I didn't do well? Um, the GMAT is question adaptive, meaning that every question you are going up or down in the same way, but it literally on a question by question basis as opposed to a section by section basis. Um, so on the one hand, it's a lot more granular. On the other hand, it means that you see pretty big swings in question difficulty, right? I actually, I mean, yeah. Achievable does the GRE, but I actually took the GMAT. Um, and you get a few questions right and suddenly you get faced with something that you're just like, what, right? Like it's like super <laughs> yeah. difficult. Like one of those 750 plus questions. And then, you know, if you get that one wrong, you go back down. You're like, oh, I'm doing okay again, right? So it's, it's important to kind of understand that that's what's going on with, with the way that the test is presenting itself to you. Um, the second totally. thing, in each of, no matter which of the tests, if you're feeling super confident and you come back and the score is not that good, it might mean that you're making careless errors. Um, it's just a generally good idea as you are studying to keep what's called an error log. So pretty much any good practice test program worth its salt is going to tell you which questions you got right or wrong. Um, and so then you'll be able to go back and you'll be able to say, okay, 
you know, these are the questions I got right or wrong and you'll be able, and you should go through them. You should spend pretty much as much time reviewing your practice tests and planning based off of them as you did taking them. And you can see that, oh, okay, in this question, um, I just like, I rounded the number the wrong way or like something like, like silly like that. You're like, okay, I just need to pay more attention. Um, or at least for me, in my experience with the GMAT, you'll see like, okay, this was a question where if I knew this, like, you know, X plus a million and one multiplied by X, you know, minus nine, 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 nine. Like if I knew like that there was like a factoring law there that I just didn't know, then it would have been really easy. But I tried to, you know, solve it with math and that was just like the wrong way to go about it. Right. So it's, it's important to kind of try to diagnose what the misses are coming from. And then obviously, um, I mean, and Achievable does this automatically. I'm sure other programs at the very least give you feedback on this. You should be looking at what are the areas that I did badly in, in terms of topic, right? So it's quite possible that you're actually quite good at, uh, you know, calculus and, and things like that, but maybe your geometry is pretty rusty and you got some of the stuff wrong that's pretty basic in geometry, right? Like, or whatever it is that happened to be the issue, um, you should be able to pick out and identify the types of questions that are giving you trouble. And then your next step, and this is the how to fix it part, is to go get better at those question types. Yep. Yeah, and like these are all these are all things that are like pretty fixable, right? Like these are all mm -hmm. things that like you know you should be walking away from a test, whether you know no matter how it went in session, like you know that there's more runway to go there. Like you know that you can, you know, focus on a certain question type or focus on a certain subject or you know whatever you know that you can achieve, you, you, can, you can go higher. Um, and for that kind of outcome where you know that, and or maybe you scored, um, you know, you've been scoring much better on practice tests than you scored um, in, uh, in your actual uh, sitting. And it was a nurse thing, you weren't used to the route, like whatever that might look like, you know that there's one way to go higher. And at least from an MBA lens, when you know that you're, essentially leaving points on the table, I always recommend that people continue to to study and take the test another time and, and hit it hard. And it's advice that I kind of hate giving because who likes to take these tests? Um, but they really are important. And so who wants to apply to, who wants to spend a ton of time, effort, energy, and money applying to what is a huge life commitment if they know that they're leaving you know, kind of like a key component of their candidacy on the table. And by the way, that can also be, that can also represent like actual dollars and cents, like very, very real money um, can result mm. from, you know, a, you know, even like a 10 to 20 to 30 point increase on something like a GMAT. Right. Yeah. It can be money well spent. And I mean, certainly I would say, um, the biggest thing, and I mean, GMAT and GRE, I think also, they're very different tests in a lot of ways, particularly yeah. the quant. Um, if you're a native English speaker, and, you know, I, I say this kind of, I feel like people are going to roll their eyes at this, but I feel like most native English speakers that, like, went to a good high school and college are probably doing pretty well on the verbal section of both tests. Um, and 
well enough that they can kind of like fix like whatever kind of small grammar things they're forgetting or whatever. Um, the, the quant is where it differs quite a bit between the two. And the thing that I found with the GMAT is that the GMAT quant was kind of like you're trying to solve a puzzle and then answer a math question. And then the GRE quant is like answer a math question, but maybe, you know, the math questions are a little harder sometimes. Um, and so that's important to kind of recognize like what it, what, which part of the question both diagnosing and kind of like this deciphering process you're falling down on, right? Are you having trouble yeah. identifying what the question's really asking or are you getting that right, but you're just not doing the math correctly? Um, and, you know, or is it like, this is something that when I was doing a GMAT tutoring program, like the guy was hammering me on, uh, was like, you're not actually supposed to solve this. <laughs> like you're supposed to know the shortcut, do the shortcut and move on and not. And so like, okay, maybe I need to just like do a lot of practice or memorize these shortcuts or, you know, either look at a different prep program or, or even like a tutor or that kind of thing. So I can, you know, get specific guidance or just an, another perspective on this stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. The it's, other, it's, it's an I interesting like, problem. Or, um, you know, what I'll say, so we've, you know, we've talked about the, like where there's runway. And so, there could be runway in doing more studying or trying a different test or trying a different prep program or whatever. Um, there's also a certain, and, and again, like I actually really do think that test prep and investing in the test is money well spent. I always tell people who want to work with me on essays and stuff before they have a really great GMAT. I'm like, your money would be better spent. Actually, your money and time would be better spent killing it on the test before coming to me. So, um, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's not, uh, you know, that doesn't benefit me in any way. It's just good advice. <laughs> um, right. But the, the second part of that is um, if there is not runway and let's say you've taken the test four times, you are doing as well as you know that you can do. Um, mm -hmm. You're maxed out. You, you like, let's face it, these tests can take a lot out of you. Studying for these tests can take a lot out of you. And there can be a real toll that um, gets taken when you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting an increased result, but getting the same one. Um, when you've hit your limit and you're getting real with yourself and know that like, I've kind of hit my ceiling, you got to move on, right? So mm -hmm. I think really understanding when you take your score as your score <laughs> um, and focus on other parts of the admissions process too. For sure. I mean, I also think that there's um, there's one aspect of of these tests that we haven't touched on yet that I think is really important, um, which is the sort of the game day aspect of it, right? And what I mean by game day is that you should be thinking about taking the GRE as like your own personal Super Bowl. Um, and so do you think that the guys who are going to go play in the Super Bowl are like, going out getting drunk the night before like probably not <laughs> hopefully not right i mean you never know um but <laughs> you never know <laughs> yeah you never know but like realistically you've got to uh you've got to treat it like a performance and so that means that you've got to you know first and foremost if you're dealing with test anxiety there's a lot of strategies we've even had some episodes on this podcast talking about that but basically like getting a handle on test anxiety is really important. Frankly, one of the easiest ways to do that is just to do the test multiple times because um, you're kind of less anxious when you know what you see. Um, yep. But then beyond that, 
there's also just like, you know, frankly, I think that like not having alcohol or like other things like that in the week leading up to the test, giving yourself a clear mind, making sure you're getting good sleep, making sure that if the test is at 8 a.m. that you spend the week beforehand waking up at like 7 or even 6 so that by the time you get there, your brain is fresh, right? Or trying to schedule your test for the afternoon because you know that you're generally not a morning person. Um, making sure that, you know, you're not under or over caffeinated on the day of, right? And and that you have food and it's like good hearty food that won't make you sleepy and is not going to give you a sugar crash. Like these are all little things that could make a big difference. And at the bare minimum, um, it's worth if you if you feel like you haven't kind of given this test your best foot forward, you should do yep. that at least once before you give up. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like if you, you know, if if you know that you can do better, <laughs> um, whether that's um, because of more studying or because of setting optimal conditions or giving that that runway can look like so many different things. It looks like all the things that you just talked about, Tyler. Um, and so I encourage, like, what what you don't want to do is apply to a school knowing, oh, I could have done X, Y, and Z, and my score could have gone, you know, up by 10 or 20 points, which unfortunately, let's face it, like, that can be material in the decision-making process. Right. Um, well, and, and if it's like, you know, you're going to spend two years at this school or at a school and it's going to help determine which one you go to, or yeah. it could lead to financial aid, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars, it's probably yes. worth, you know, inconveniencing yourself for a week or two. So yeah. And, yeah. and let's be clear, this is, this is advice that I hate giving. Like, I hate giving this advice, but it's the reality of the process, right? And I think a lot of people do a lot of mental gymnastics to talk themselves out of how important the test is, uh, at least from a business school perspective. Um, you have a lot of admissions folks out there that talk a lot about holistic admissions processes, which to be fair, all processes that I know are genuinely holistic. Um, so yeah, like the story that you tell is important, your career goals are important, how you show up in an interview is important, but your academics are also really important and your academics uh, comprise of two things. One thing that you can't change and one that you can. Um, the thing that you can't change is your undergrad record. And the thing that you can change um, in theory is your test score. And so, you know, you really do owe it to yourself to put everything on the table um, from a testing perspective. That being said, like, I'll go back to, you know, a point I made a couple of minutes ago. It's like when you have put it all on the table and you know that and you can be honest with yourself in knowing that. Um, that's when, in my opinion, it does not make sense to to keep hitting it and expecting a different result when you can pull on some of those other level levers as part of a holistic admissions process. Right. Great. Well, any other parting thoughts on this topic before we wrap up? No, I mean, just to summarize, like the the test from from my perspective as someone who uh, you know works with folks throughout the whole admissions life cycle, you know, the test really is important. Um, it's important to be real with yourself, I think, about when there's additional runway to to hit it harder and improve your score. But then, you know, when you have done everything you possibly can to set yourself up for success um, and and execute in the testing process, that's when you need to move on and and pull other levers and, and stop driving yourself crazy. 
Yep. Yeah, totally makes sense. Thanks so much. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Owen Margulis from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free by visiting achievable.me to get that score improvement we were just talking about, maybe. And you can use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.